Can you hear yourself or not? Well, <laughs> doesn't matter. I know what I'm saying. Why the hell do I need to hear myself? Okay. Well. Okay. Welcome to our podcast, Two Docs. I'm an MD, and I'm a PhD, and we will talk about life. Complexities of life, relationships, current events, politics, race, money, gender, and everything in between. You name it, and we'll talk about it. So come with us on this journey. My name is John. I'm a pediatric emergency medicine physician here in Tampa, Florida, originally from Colorado. We have a nine year old daughter, Ellie, and a four year old daughter, Tola. We also have a rescue dog, Nugget. And a recent addition to our household, a blue crawfish named Baby Gary. I've been happily married for the past 10 years to my co-host. Hi, I'm Natalia. I am a recent PhD graduate from civil engineering, and I was born in Poland. I came to the U.S. about 11 years ago. So we don't have any sponsors yet, but stay with us. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. I'm your host, John. I'm Natalia. And this is our first podcast, Two Docs. We're going to be talking about marriage today. It's a not so much controversial subject, but it's difficult to discuss because there's a lot of factors that are involved. And I just want to preface by saying these are our opinions. We're not professionals, just our take on this. But I believe Natalia did some research. I did. I decided to go to Google and see what comes up. So I put marriage is, and the first two things that came up were marriage issues and marriage is hard. And then I went on Instagram and Facebook and I saw different perspective with a bunch of hashtags, blessed, happy life, happy family. So we don't necessarily talk openly about the difficulties of marriage, or at least we don't put it out there, how difficult communication can be, parenting, dealing with money. So in our podcast, we want to keep it real. And a lot of people tell us, oh, you guys are such a great couple. And I look at them like, girl, I barely make it through the day. So we're not above it. And we want to give you uh, our take on the marriage and what can make it or break it. So what do you think is the one of, the, one of the hardest things, or obviously it's multifactorial, but one of the hardest things to, a success, to make a marriage work, to have a successful marriage, what's one of the components that you think is the biggest difficulty? Definitely listening to your partner and trying to meet their needs and communicating them, finding out what is that you really want. So that's the first layer. And then communicating that without resentment, without anger, uh, in a nice way. And then the, the rest is on the partner to execute what you said and to give you what you need. And that's been a challenge for a lot of people because they are trying to be happy, which I don't think that's what marriage is about necessarily. It's not about being happy. It's about support and friendship. And they think they want to get into this cloud of happiness through somebody else. But the first layer is to start with yourself and then go from there. 
So I believe that's the core. What do you think? I, I agree. Um, you know, the communication is key. It's always a dance trying to have your needs met and meet the needs of your partner. Um, I do think that people don't know how to com- think that they're communicating, but don't realize that they're not effectively communicating. And I think that that was something that was a struggle for us early on is that we thought we were communicating when we really weren't. And so it's, it's a struggle to make sure that you're heard, but also hear your partner. And so that can obviously lead to other issues in, in the marriage. And I will, I guess a question I always was interested in that I have for you is that in our marriage, you have, taking the the role of staying at home with the children and pursuing your career at the same time, but you made some sacrifices. And I'm just kind of curious as to how do you think that role affected our marriage? There were times over the past 10 years when I was staying home, raising our two kids and getting my PhD done at night that I looked at you and I was very resentful because you got ready, you went to work and you came home feeling very accomplished. And there were days that I just changed the diapers and fed our children. And at the end of the day, she hit me in the face. So that was my reward. And it took a lot of self-help books and meditation and a lot of reading to get to the point that I am aware that that was my choice and I would not have it any other way. And getting into that very selfless space is very difficult. And feeling that your life is not yours anymore, but you sacrificed it and you want to sacrifice it for somebody else and find joy into in, in the, the boredom and the monotonous day that is not exciting. That's been challenging, but also it helped me grow. So my lowest points were my biggest growth moments. And I, and I think this is an area where a lot of couples get into trouble because there's resentment all around, right? Because like you are with the kids all day and then I come home from work and you need a break, understandably so, but I'm tired from work. So now I got to take over being with the kids. So you resent me going to work and then I come home and resent you for having, for like not giving me a, you know, downtime from work, um, you know, having to be with the kids. And I, and I feel like that was, that's a dangerous space for couples to get into unless again, you come back to that communication. And I think that that's what kind of got us through is just talking it out and understanding like you were definitely very respectful uh, or um, I want to say actually more, I guess I, respectful is not the right term, more like sensitive to those needs. And I think I became more sensitive over time. I don't think I understood that in the beginning because you know, the, the, the way society kind of raises you right now, it's like, man, go to work, bring home money, women take care of kids kind of thing, you know, and it's not, it's a team sport here, you know, I got to unload the dishwasher just like you got to unload the dishwasher. I got to change diapers just like you got to change diapers. And um, I, I think that once you get into that kind of mentality that we're in, we got to do this together. The house is not going to clean itself. The kids are not going to take care of themselves. We got to do it together. And it's not one person's sole responsibility. I think that that 
makes our marriage made our marriage better and, and and I think if couples were more aware of that they could have a better marriage too. And you know what I also realized that it's a business deal. And as harsh as it sounds, <laughs> when I approached marriage as a business and negotiation, it immediately became better because I'm like, okay, you want to go to watch a movie today? I'm like, sure, but I'm taking a night off tomorrow. So when you want to do something, I'm like, okay, but what am I going to get out of it? And once you start negotiating and you make, I'm like, okay, but that's the constraint. It becomes funny and those negotiations actually bring you together and there is no resentment because you give something, but also you gain something. So, so worst, that's the key. It's the worst business model business ever. <laughs> All we do is put money in and no return. Oh, <laughs> no, there is a return. There is a return, not a monetary one. But. Not a monetary one. <laughs> I agree with that. And the other issue is, is that a lot of times as humans, we tend to compare ourselves to others. And so I think a trap that a lot of us fall into is that we compare our relationship to our uh, to other relationships that we see that could be definitely dangerous but over the years i observed one thing that it doesn't matter every couple is different and what matters is that the two parties involved are happy once one party the moment that one party stops being happy is the moment that the marriage is not good or that the relationship or arrangement, whatever they decide to to do. So I think comparing yourself to others and their status and their way of life is complete waste of time. And unfortunately, these days on with Instagram and other social media, we're guilty of looking at other marriages and thinking they're better. And also thinking they're worse and feeling that satisfaction inside that you feel better than somebody else because your relationship is, is, is better. But if you know the cycle of life, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. So just focus on yourself. That, that would be my take on that. Just like that bumper sticker says, may your real life be as awesome as your Instagram life, right? Exactly. <laughs> and not to be like kick a dead horse, but going back to communication one last time, the whole thing with communication also is it's execution, right? So it's great if everyone's listening, but it means nothing if there's no action, which kind of sounds like parenting. I believe that's our next topic. Oh, I can't wait for that one. Stay with us. Okay, welcome back. We have moved on to parenting, and I want to throw out the first question. What, Natalia, do you find is the hardest thing about parenting? Being selfless. That's it. When you're a parent, it's not about you anymore, at least not for me. Your needs and what you want is not that important. You decided or not decided to have the kids, but they're here, so you got to deal with the consequences. And... Putting yourself constantly on the back burner in the beginning was very difficult for me. And I felt very resentful. And I felt like I could not be necessarily happy when you don't have time to shower, eat. And I had to microwave my coffee six times before I could finish one cup. So that's pretty much the hardest thing. What is that for you? Well, I would, I, I agree, but I think... 
it was harder for me to learn to be selfless because, and I learned that through you. Um, I had very poor role models as parents and I inherited a lot of their poor attributes and it took a long time for me to have that self-recognition that I was not an effective or good parent. And I, I learned it watching you. And so I think for me, it was hard to first of all, have that self-realization and then the struggle to get to a point where I was more selfless with the children. But beyond the selflessness, what what fears do you have about or for our children as a parent? I think all the usual ones, which are addictions, early pregnancies, because we have two girls, and being a parent is definitely difficult, especially when you're 15. And the last one, health, mental health, and any sort of disease. And I think that being in the bad place in a bad time those kind of circumstances that don't necessarily depend on us but could happen and impact the rest of your life so i'm pretty much i, I pretty much covered everything here worried about, didn't I? she's worried about everything yeah <laughs> i'm worried i have the same fears but i kind of sum it up as giving them the tools to make the right decisions i'm scared like mental health does scare me but the risk factors for those when the patients i see are sexual physical abuse and definitely a broken home um those are the three three kind of risk factors that seem to be an over a uh, a reoccurring theme in those patients but like early pregnancy and drug drug abuse and and to some degree even being in the wrong place at the wrong time are all based on decisions they've made and i feel like we I want. I just want to make sure we do the best we can to give them that good decision-making process, so they try to avoid those things. Not everything is unavoidable, but we should we should do the best we can to help them make decisions. So when we're not there to guide their decisions, they're they're at least thinking about the consequences of their actions. I think giving them the comfort that they can come to you and talk. I think that's the key, and I try to incorporate that in my parenting it's not like i sit down my kids on saturday morning and like what issues are you having what can we solve because a lot of parents do this what what i've noticed you can come to me anytime we will talk about everything and then the kids comes back from school got in trouble and then the parents are like well i don't have time for that why did you get in trouble and the kid gets punished so my kid gets a little they have a little car that moves at my four-year-old school and she that gets car punished. Better not move. And I'm like, what <laughs> happened here? Why why did you mess up? What's the issue? How can we help? Because that's how you build those relationships by being there. And I want my kids when the kid comes to me, I'm like, Well, I don't like what you're saying. I don't like your decision. But the fact that you came to me, I'm gonna bite my tongue and keep my mouth shut because once you start judging and criticizing that's a big one especially for girls that's done they're yeah. not gonna come back they'll to close you. they'll close that line of communication i think what you mean is like real time being there for them in real time you being know available. putting putting your phone down and listening to them taking taking the five minutes it would take to stop stop your work or whatever and listen to them and try to help them think through the process of why they made the decision they made so they can avoid it in the future right 
And with phones, there's such a distraction in parenting. I actually read article about it. It's called distracted parenting. I guess everything is distracted these days. And they talked about the reasons. It's because mothers are so isolated. Back in the day, you had your community to raise children. Now we are closed in our houses raising children. A day is really long and a lot of times mothers do not interact with other people. And that was my case because I wanted to spend time with my kids and wanted to be there for them. So having the phone has been not a great thing for parenting. And I think putting it down and making that eye contact to show your child that they're important is important for them and to build that relationship look them in the eyes or if it's important to then say well give me five minutes i need to work on that and then i'll be all yours and just delivering that promise yeah and i think it's become it's tough in today's society because you and i growing up i remember our our parents worked and we kind of were left to entertain ourselves and we were outside it seemed like a safer time i don't know i haven't looked at the statistics but I remember wandering the streets with my friends and like us playing in the dirt and, you know, and just kind of discovering the world. And now it seems like it's kind of on us as parents to constantly entertain our children. And if we can't entertain them, we rely on devices to entertain them. And I feel like we've lost that touch with the outside world. I agree with you to some extent. However, the demanding of today's parenting, if you think about it, you are told to feed them quality foods because they'll develop diabetes and be obese. Then you have to screen their electronics usage. You have to watch TV with them, some articles say, and you have to limit the TV to up to two hours a day. So when you cook dinner and you shower, you get some work done, or even want to catch up on the news, there is just not enough hours in the day. Something has to give in. And if, especially if you're financially constrained, how do you do it? How do you watch TV with your kid? You look good for your spouse. You eat quality foods yourself. And then be patient for your child. I look around and I'm like, we're all failing. Are we failing or we're just overwhelmed? Sure. I think we're failing. I mean, <laughs> I, I always make a joke. I don't know if it's funny, but I feel like an iPad makes me a better father. <laughs> oh, it lets me shower. <laughs> right. So it gives, it gives me that time to like not yell and not get upset. I just take the iPad and then I can focus on me for a second and lose that frustration so I can come back to being with them. But, um, you know, technology is here to stay for good or bad. Um, but the other thing about children that is kind of a constraint on relationships and families is the cost of raising a child right that's a big one because you want to give your children best things and you want to put them ahead of you ahead of where you were when you were starting and i think that the financial aspect makes parenting easier. Having access to resources makes parenting easier. And now, actually, there's been research that people who are wealthy do not buy big TVs and fancy cars and expensive watches. They invest in classes for their kids. They go to yoga. They shop at Whole Foods. They eat organic food. So those things are expensive. And, and a new social class is developing because you have 
you either have access to those things or you don't. So if you do have an access, your kids will grow up privileged and they'll feel that later in life because they will be well-read and more educated because of that aspect. And then if you don't have the means, you still can do these things for those kids, but it's definitely much more difficult. Absolutely. Well, I think that segues us into our next topic, which is finances. It's funny. I had so much to say about parenting, and now I will just go mute. (laughs) Okay, welcome back. We are on the final segment of our podcast, Finances Slash Money. This can be a huge strain on marriages, and on Google, it says it's one of the top five reasons to lead to divorce. We had mentioned earlier in the show that Natalia had taken a break in her pursuit of her studies and her career to mother our two children from home. She decided she wanted to stay home with them up to a certain age, and she is at the tail end of the completion of her PhD study. She just successfully defended her dissertation, and she's about to get that PhD behind her name. And so I kind of wanted to ask her how she felt about our finances because I've always viewed them as our finances, but I think she may have a different take. Well, I always felt like people tend to transfer your success to me. I never really understood that. And your success is your success and I'm working for my success. And I'm very grateful that I could do it. I could study at night and be home with our kids during the day it's been it's been a true blessing and I'm very very grateful for that and finances in marriages are definitely a difficult concept because if one person makes way more money than the other one just like in our case I've always felt I needed to contribute and of course I do have my job and I had my scholarships but it was a never 50 50 and over the years, I got used to it because I contributed to the household in other ways. And I now that I'm emerging to the workforce, I'm finally reaching the point that I'll be able to contribute financially. So... How excited are you about I'm that? I'm very excited. Okay. I'm very excited about that part. But I know that a lot of couples, like if the man is the main breadwinner they give, I know a lot of those relationships, they give the wife an allowance for either groceries or monthly expenses. And that creates a certain imbalance imbalance and control that the male has in a relationship. And how we did it is we have areas of expertise. So I do some things and and John does other things and finances is one of his areas of expertise so I'm not using my energy on the same task and I don't pay bills and I don't know when they're due but he doesn't know when the school rehearsal is so we divided that our responsibilities and both of us are happy in the arrangement and I think that's the key if both people are happy in the arrangement, whether it's finances, children, you name it, then it's okay. So he took lead and I'm following. So if I want to purchase something, I text him. I'm like, is that okay? That purchase is big. Can we afford it? Are we in a good financial situation? He's never said no to me. 
but I also don't ask too often. It's Nor just, does she have to ask. I just want to say I that. don't have to ask, but I feel like I don't know what's in our bank account most of the time. So I kind of live in a bubble as well. Probably less of a bubble than you live in because you as doctors have such different perception of earning potentials. And my question to you is, have you ever felt that you needed to keep up with your peers when you get to the hospital and they're all Porsche Panameras and Maseratis? Have you ever felt the pressure to keep up with that and the cost of your family because you never can have it all? Oh, yeah. I definitely, I didn't really feel it until we moved to Tampa. The One of the first shifts I did, I drove in and I think we had we had a Nissan Pathfinder and I drove in and there's like, Porsches and Teslas and I think someone has a Ferrari and you're just like what is going on and so initially when I first got here I did feel that pressure and so um, you know we we definitely can fall into that trap I did read somewhere once another physician had posted that you know it's nice that you have these Teslas and Maseratis but realize all of your colleagues can afford these cars so you're not different than us you just have a different car and so when I read that, I, that kind of hit home to me that, you know, I don't need to keep up with the Joneses. I need to provide, I need to take care of my family that, you know, we don't need to have those things to be successful, nor does it mean we're more powerful or that we're better doctors or that we're better people, anything like that. It's, it's just a car. So it's just an illusion. It's just an illusion. Just and like, it, just like Instagram. Right. It's a similar, it's a similar concept. You're presenting and you're presenting a certain type of thing that you want people to think about you whether it's real or not and you'll never know you know there may be a doctor there that drives a Maserati into that garage and then goes home to a one-bedroom apartment that you know is in the worst part of town I'll never know and if you think about it if you look around at celebrities if wealth and fame give you happiness and contentment they would not be drug addictions or suicide rates so the the wealth we also had to restructure in our marriage because in the beginning when john became an attending we kind of got caught into the boat clubs and more expensive cars and then we realized that our happiness level does not change whether or not we enter an expensive car or a regular car and that was a really eye-opening experience and then I'm like what would actually change my happiness level and then I realized as my family so it doesn't matter what you have and we really went back to the roots and I'm actually proud of it to kind of stop trying to put an illusion out there even talking about it like people are gonna listen to our podcast especially our friends they will know what we're talking about because I said to John, I'm like, I want to go back to the roots. And initially it's hard, but then it becomes your new identity. And that's when the growth happens because you're focusing on different areas of your life. When you stop pursuing the pleasure and excitement and materialistic goods. Sure. You know, you get a taste for some things and it's hard to get that taste out of your mouth. But if you remember where you came from, especially us, you know, we came from virtually nothing, both of us, in terms of monetary materialistic stuff. When you when you decide to try to scale back and you remind yourself of where you came from, it's it's really not that hard. You know, we, we did have the big expensive car for a while, and that was nice, but we got rid of it, and we got 
relatively still pretty nice cars. And when I remind myself of where I came from, we have it. We are so lucky and we are so blessed. And the most important thing now is, like you said, family and trying to find that balance of not chasing the almighty dollar because not every dollar earned is equal. You know, some dollars come much at much higher prices than others. And so I think it's important that we remember the family and trying to do everything we can to spend to be together when we can and have quality time and remember the little things because you know we take trips and we travel and stuff like that but that that's not that's only a portion of happiness the the happiness that we have now is we're healthy we just went on a beautiful walk we have a wonderful family we have you know we have this nice house right and what you have to remember that you have to be on the same page when it comes to finances in a marriage for it to work. Because if we were not on the same page, that would be another point of conflict. And there's so many points of conflict when you live in the same house, have children and pets, that another one would just add additional stress. So what's important within the relationship is to find your common goal and what you can and cannot live with. It's finding those compromises. So John is little happy and I'm little happy. But neither of us got everything they wanted. Because if it was up to me, I would live in a studio and have a flip phone. Wow, we've come full circle all the way back to communication. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, that is our first episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Our next one will be dropping April 19th. In the meantime, if you have any questions you might want us to answer on the show, you can email us at 2docspc at gmail.com. See you next time.